Okay, the children can be dismissed to junior church, and those up to nine can come and get clipboards. They still go till fall. They still go till fall. Just in case you wonder, some people are turning six now, but you still go to junior church until fall. So these clipboards are the ones up till nine-year-olds. And uh, anybody? So Romans 15 is where we'll be looking today. Romans 15, starting with verse 14. There are certain stages in life when we are forced to make plans about the future. Uh, When you graduate from high school or college or complete military service, we've had in our church family, there's uh, at least one that's graduating from high school this year. We've had one at least graduate from college this year. Uh, But when you complete those steps, then you have to make plans. You have to make plans when you lose your job. You have to make plans when your health changes or the health of people uh, in your family begin to change. When your marital status changes or when you retire. I get asked frequently, what are you going to do when you retire? Well, I'll give you a very brief plan. I'm going to take care of a lot of physical tasks at home that I put off for a long time. I'm going to spend more time with my wife. I'm going to visit family and friends. And I'm going to see what, how God wants to use me going forward. So you're going to see me cry a lot the next couple weeks. I can't help it. But anyhow, I'm not really sad. I'm just emotional. So that's part of the process. Those decisions can be even tougher when they're involved in church ministry, whether you're paid for it or you're volunteer, either one. Uh, we desire for someone to take our place, for the ministry to thrive. And sometimes when we look at a, those circumstances from a human perspective, it, it's challenging. Who's going to step up and take this role or that role? Or, or what's it going to look like? Well, Paul was at a stage where he had completed his responsibility in Corinth and the the eastern Mediterranean region, and, and he was making plans for the future. You'll see that in verse 23 and 24. He says, here's my plans. Here's what I'm hoping to do. And he recognized the need to make plans, but understand God would work things out appropriately. And so I want to examine with you today from Romans 15, Verses 14 to the end of the chapter. Four important lessons we can learn from Paul about my plans and God's plans, both in our life individually and as a church family. So he says, but now there's no more place for me. Excuse me, that's for, I went to verse 23. I want 14. I myself am convinced, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness complete in knowledge and competent to instruct one another. I have written you quite boldly on some points as if to remind you of them again because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, 
with the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. One of the first lessons that we learn in ministry in the body of Christ is I am not indispensable. The Lord can use me, and I'm thankful he can use me, but I am not indispensable. You don't need me. You already knew that, but uh, some of you aren't convinced. And uh, God's work will go on without me, or without Paul, or without whoever. See, Paul says, I'm fully convinced that God has equipped you. That's his church. Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And we are thankful for faithful people down through the centuries, but God's work keeps going on. And in that process, what he begins to share is he's thankful for the signs of maturity, of growth. Um, One of the things you hear me say often on, the goal of a parent is what? Can you tell me what I tell you the goal of a parent is? Somebody who loves the Lord, you began to live next door to you, but they aren't dependent upon you. They, you still have a great relation and, and that kind of thing. But, and see, that, that's really the responsibility of ministry in the life of the church. What do I want to see happen? I want you to grow in the Lord, mature to the point where we still enjoy great fellowship, have the same goal, but you don't need me. Um, because you have matured in your faith and your understanding and and in that process, not, not I hope you still enjoy my company, but you don't need me. So there's a maturity which characterized that the body of believers at Rome. He, he talks about three particular things. This is the group that he's writing to. He says, you're full of goodness. Uh, and it talks about good in character, this moral excellence or uprightness, this kindness, um, they're pleasing to God in what they're doing, and it's beneficial. They're people that practice their faith with a spirit of righteousness, love, and unity. And I'm thankful to be able to say that of the churches practicing their faith. Such so a complete in knowledge. You never know it all. There's certain stages in life when you think you do, but you quickly find out you don't in that process. But it talks about being made full or to fill up. They understand the Christian faith and they have a competent or adequate biblical grounding of basic truths and how to live it out and have a desire and commitment to live those things out in their daily life. And he says you're competent to instruct one another. You have the, the ability, the God-given ability and the knowledge and background to minister to one another. Uh, Paul wrote to Timothy, and I'm just going to take some excerpts out of, of Timothy, as he's telling him about uh, your ability to minister. And the, the ability comes from, from God and the use of his word as we minister to one another. So in 1 Timothy 4, he says, Starting with verse 11, command and teach these things. Don't let anybody look down on you because you're young. 
or I throw in because you're old. Either way, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and teaching. Don't neglect your gift was given you through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourselves and your hearers. In 2 Timothy 2, again some familiar verses as he writes to Timothy, he says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, who correctly handles the word of truth. And then the next chapter, chapter 3, verse 15, he writes and says, And from an infant you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so the man of God may be thoroughly equipped to every good work. See, the grounding and the growth of the Word of God equips you, brings you to maturity to not only know information, but to practice your faith. And uh, so you have this picture of of the level of maturity that's beginning to grow. But in that same passage, Paul is thankful that he was used by God. By the grace of God, I was used to be a part of the process of bringing you to maturity. You know, Paul writes, I proclaimed the gospel, and I proclaimed the gospel. In the time that I've been here, uh, 133 people have been baptized, and another 52 have been added to the membership of the church in in other ways. Uh, Just a little aside, it doesn't fit the same. You know what? I've also had just about that exact same number of funerals. People that come to the Lord, people that leave this world and move on. Things change. In verse 16 it says, When God works in lives, people become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. See, people... Returning to God the life he gave them, a living sacrifice for his service, because ministry is really the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives that we get to be a part of by God's grace. But it's God's working in their heart and lives that make that lasting results possible. Uh, You know, one of the sad things in ministry is watching people fall by the wayside. And, and, And even in that little process, what sometimes happens even in my little setting, you get your own little following. Okay? And then when you're gone, what happens? See, well, I hope you grow to the point you're grounded in the Lord and in His Word, and you're committed to be faithful to that, whether the person you followed is around anymore, because some of the people you follow are going to fall by the wayside. Or they're going to be gone, and, and you have to be able to to stand and live and go and become the one that is a support to to someone else along the way. 
If you come to verses 17 and 22, you begin to see a, a reminder in Paul's life of the characteristics of the kind of ministry that he's involved in. It says, Therefore I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done. By the power of science and miracles, through the power of the Spirit, so from Jerusalem all the way to Elycrium, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known, so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as written, those who were not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. That is why I have often been hindered from coming to you. See, Paul says, I am committing, committed to faithfully serving God. I'm committed to faithfully serving God. That ought to characterize our life and ministry. I'm committed to faithfully serving God. That means I'm available to be used by God. He says, my service to God. See, he served the Lord with dignity and with devotion, offering God his best. And that's, that's one of the important parts of characterizing ministry is I'm available to be used by God. In fact, you read there in verse 20, Paul was ambitious for God. His ambition was, my ambition is to preach the gospel where Christ was not known. Um, so that was his particular ambition for God, and the Lord had given him. What's your ambitious for, ambition for God? You know, we're ambitious and we have plans about all sorts of things. What's your ambition for God? See, if I would say, I read Philippians 1 because it kind of characterizes my ambition for God. What, what did I want to see done? What do I pray happens in your life? And that's, you know, Philippians 1, 9 to 11 that I had read with you. This is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory of God the Father. You know what my ambition for God was when I came here in 1980? It's interesting how the Lord works here. So in my mind, I said, this is a church that has faithfully trained people, sent them out, and they've gone all sorts of places, but very few of them come back. They go away to school, they go, they keep on going. And I'm glad the Lord's using them in many places in the world and faithfully doing so. But I was at a point where I said, you know, I want to come back and pay a little back to the people that invested in me. So my ambition was to come back for two years <laughs> to just express appreciation and minister to the people that had ministered to me. Late, 
And as our message goes, the Lord has ways of changing our plans. But that was my ambition at that time, was I was in a position where I hadn't yet, I was done with school, we were just starting a family, and it would be nice to be back and, and be a part of, of course at that time you were building a new building and, and starting that process, and it was all uh, just the way the Lord worked in those things. Uh, and so... Even if I went back before, when I, when I went to college, I went as a pre-med student. And, but the thing that struck me, and you've heard me probably say this before, but so you can make people physically well for a while, you're all going to die. It's a losing struggle. So I want to do something that lasts for eternity. Okay? So... No more of that doctor thing. Let's take care of the Lord working in their hearts and lives so that it's something that lasts beyond this lifetime. So that was part of the, again, motivation of changing degrees and and taking other steps along the way. But it's a privilege to be used by God. So you notice there in verse 17, Paul says, Therefore I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I glory in what Christ has accomplished through me, through the power of the Holy Spirit. He's boasting in what Christ has done. It's by God's power, by the Holy Spirit. And successful ministry is always God's doing. God doesn't always measure success the way we do. You can have what the world looks as a successful ministry and have it amount to nothing because it's human effort without the work of the power of the Holy Spirit. But what we glory in is the power of the Holy Spirit. God, Paul, you know, God was chose Paul. He prepared him. He gave him the ministry. He empowered it all. It was all of God's grace, and, and that included in his time and that was early part of the ministry miracles and signs and things that help authenticate his message and and put. Uh, that into reaching into an unreached world around him. But we need a high regard for our ministry and a humble estimate of ourselves. Anything that's really going to last is because God's at work and he used us to be a part of it. Uh, Our life in word and deed is ministry used by God for a great purpose. You know, it's a joy to look back and see what God has done. It makes you excited about what God can do and will do through faithful, willing servants. Uh, Thank God he allowed me to be a part of that. You know, just just even to be in this facility and to enjoy this facility, when you think of the initial steps that took uh, for the church to take the bold step of faith of coming here and building this you know, buying this location as opposed to where they were and, and building. And, and from a human perspective, you have none of the resources or the ability to do any of that. But with willing hearts and, and commitment to serve, the Lord allows those things to transpire. And it, all it is is a tool for ministry. It's allowed us to be uh, effective in, in ways that might not otherwise have been true. you come down to verse 23, 
As I mentioned, Paul says, But now there is no more place for me to work in this region, and since I have always longed for many years to see you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to visit you while passing through and to have you assist me on my journey there after I enjoyed your company for a while. Now, however, I am on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the saints there. He goes on to talk from there. You ought to make God-honoring plans. Paul says, my time in this place is complete, and here's my plans. And he begins laying them out. He says, I've fulfilled my responsibility in this region. I've fully proclaimed the gospel. That's not that everybody's responded to it. But he says, my goal, my ambition was to preach where people haven't heard. And, and they've all heard. They've responded in all sorts of ways. But it's time for me to, to move on from there. And so he makes plans. One of his plans was to enjoy Christian fellowship. He says, I've longed for many years to see you and to enjoy your company. It was an opportunity to renew fellowship with friends and family, uh, to share stories of what God has done and what God is continuing to do in our lives. I hope you have Christian friends that you keep in contact with and, and reconnect with and uh, just share what's God doing in, in your life now, even though your paths are... I got a letter, this a card this week from my college roommate. Would you hear me bring him up every once in a while? We basically contact each other twice a year. <laughs> That's about it. But we've been there to visit, and he's been here and other things. But it's good to see what God is doing in their lives and ours. And one of the things he was writing, uh, some encouraging words about retirement. He's a little older than me, so he's retired already. And he was involved in ministry and still is. But but just sharing those things. uh, We have a lot of good intentions to connect with people and to share fellowship, and, and we need to take advantage of those opportunities. So my God-honoring plans at every stage in your life, but enjoy Christian fellowship, serve the saints. Christians never retire from serving the Lord and one another. See, Paul's service and ministry was going to change. In this case, he was delivering relief funds to Jerusalem. Um, We may change the type of ministry and the place of ministry, In fact, as a pastor, one of the things that I would always have said to you is, now that you're retired, how are you going to, what is it you're excited about serving the Lord doing that you might not have had the opportunity to do before? Makes it a little awkward for me sometimes when I say, okay, but I need a break from some of this for a while. So how's the Lord going to use me? Because that's part of the the perspective that you that you do want, but it's serve the saints. Um, retirement gives flexibility to meet needs and to minister in areas that you enjoy, uh, less duty and obligation, and more freedom to be used. But it's as a believer, you can't 
help but be committed to to serve the Lord in, in some way and to look for opportunities to be greatly used. She come into the last half of, of 27. Says, for if the Gentiles, well, let's start the whole, they were pleased to do so. They're bringing this offering and gift that the people in Macedonia and Achaia had contributed. They were pleased to bring this gift, and indeed they'd owed it to them. For if the Gentiles had shared in the Jews' spiritual blessing, they owed it to the Jews to share with them their material blessings. So after I've completed this task and made sure that they have received this fruit, I will go on to Spain and visit you on the way. I know that when I come to you, I will come in full measure of the blessings of Christ. There's this picture of sharing blessings. Able to share both spiritual and financial blessings. You know, particularly when we benefited from a ministry, we ought to express that in tangible ways. Notice the language Paul used there. He said, in essence, the Gentiles were paying a debt. He said, how did they ever come to know the Lord as a Savior? It's because the Jerusalem saints and the Antioch saints helped send missionary and, and, and supported Paul and got him out there. And, and they came to know the faith in Christ. And now the saints in Jerusalem are in poverty and are suffering because of their faith. And they don't have even the basic needs of life. And he said, it's a privilege to be able to give back and to minister to those who have ministered to, to them. And so material gifts in time of need because of being recipients of spiritual gifts in time of need. And he, said, and he uses the word, I want to be one that helps carry this fruit. The natural result of their walk with God was gratitude and generous giving. Aren't you glad God enables us to bless one another? Spiritually, emotionally, physically, we have the opportunity to just bring God's blessing into each other's lives. And he put us in that position. So Christ enables us to bless one another. Then you come down to verse 30 to 33. He says, I urge you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Pray that I might be rescued from the unbelievers in Judea, that my service in Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints there, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and together with you be refreshed. The God of peace be with you all. Amen. What Paul says and what I would say to you is pray for me. He wants God to be working in his plans. Says we're still in a spiritual battle. And one of the tools for success is prayer. Things often go, go the way we plan or the way we expect. And so his first prayer request is basically for safety. He says, Pray for me that I'd be saved from unbelievers in, in this region. Uh, Paul faced strong hostility his life that you know more than once in his life he was stoned left for dead uh, chased out of places um, because of his stand for Christ and that's true in many parts of the world today but prayer from physical danger it can be illness could be obstacles it could be threats but it's I want deliverance from the things that would keep me from doing what God would have me do with my life. 
Secondly, he asked for prayer that he'd still be used effectively by God. He says, pray that my service might be acceptable to the saints. You know, that when I go there, they will be receptive, uh, that what we tried to accomplish in this thing will be effective. You know, sometimes we plan things and we want to see certain things accomplished and it doesn't seem like it accomplished what I set out to have it happen to do. And, and so he's just saying, pray that uh, I'll still be used effectively by God. And then he just expresses the desire that God's will would be done. Verse 33, or 32. So that by God's will, I may come to you with joy and together with you be refreshed. He expresses a desire that the plans that he makes might be that which God brings to pass. That his determinative will would, be, would fit those things and they would result in joy and refreshing. Uh, but in the process, he recognized the sovereignty and wisdom of God. Aren't you glad for the wisdom of God and the power of God and the love of God and the grace of God? And he expresses the fact, I'm at peace with however God works this out. Here's my plans. Pray for it. I want to see these kind of things happen. But I'm thankful for the God who I serve and his power and wisdom. So as you plan for the future, I hope you're doing so in a God-honoring way. I hope you're applying biblical principles and priorities. I trust that as you make plans, that you desire God's guidance and his provision and his enablement and his will to be carried out in your life. And that's part of your planning. That if you know something is contrary to God's word and that the priorities are wrong, that that's not going to be part of your plans. That you want plans that God could bless. And so as we enter this transition time in our church life and our personal lives, remember God will work on, God will continue to work with or without you or me on a personal level what I say to people is you're going to miss a lot of other people in this church more than you're going to miss me because there's a lot of faithful people in this church that are older than me who won't be here forever and who's stepping up to fill those roles see we get, we've got capable guys to preach and and that's what you see me do most of the time. That, that part, that part in the way, you won't even miss a beat. It's all behind the scenes that you don't see, that you miss. You just don't know it yet. But faithful people step up to do those things. That's what's needed. Next generation, next step. That with every change, it provides a new opportunity to be used by God in ways you never expected. I never expected to be back in Ripley for 42 years. And in fact, 
I have fun with that little bulletin board out there. So what's the number on the bulletin board out back? The one that's my retirement one. Do you know what number's on there? 39. 39. How many years have I been here? I've been here as pastor for 39 years. But I've been here for 42 years. Because I came as an associate and I served as an interim. But my fun is it says 39 years of faithful service. So what were those other three years? <laughs> Must be every so many years. Because in an interesting way, some of those early years were, were the toughest and most committed years. Working an outside job while trying to do this on the side and, and doing other different things. And see, I, I'm going to tell you the same thing. So you're, you know, in a way you're celebrating me, but you're celebrating yourselves and your faithful ministry. This church doesn't thrive on one person. It's people who love the Lord and serve the Lord. And some people have served and served and served and never get hardly any recognition. So when you're celebrating, you're celebrating the whole thing. And at each stage and change in life comes a point you can't do what you used to do, but you can still be used by God. And there's new opportunities and ways of serving that you never expected. So every change provides a new opportunity to be used by God in ways you never expect. But it requires a willingness to serve and a desire to grow and experience God's enabling grace. Don't ever think you can't be used by God. Be willing. Be available. God can do marvelous things through willing hearts, even when you feel incapable. Then we can glory in what God is accomplishing through his humble, willing servants. So that was Paul's emphasis. Boy, I'm, I'm glorying in what God let me be a part of and what he's reached into and what he's accomplished and, and seeing these Gentiles who had never heard the gospel come to Christ and now their lives are willing sacrifices for the Lord to the point they're giving finances and resources back to helping the people in Jerusalem. And, and all of this is part of God's dynamic of working through his church. Minister to one another and pray for one another as we walk with God on this journey of life. But as you make your plans and try to do it in a God-honoring way, rest in a God who provides peace in the uncertainty and struggles of life. One of the scariest things going forward is all the uncertainties. My life is going to be different. How am I going to handle it? See, you know, my trust comes back to this. I trust the Lord. I want to serve the Lord. Whatever comes, whatever that might be, I'm still who God wants me to be when I'm walking with Him. And so come what may. That's okay. Because I have peace in the God who plans my future. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love and grace.
And as we look back on our lives, we just reflect on your faithfulness and love. We see it demonstrated in so many lives and people. And we thank you for this church family and all of those represented here that you have allowed to be a part of us ministering and serving together. May you bring joy, refreshing anticipation of what is yet to come even in this world through Jesus Christ our Lord as we faithfully serve him in his name. Amen. Turn your hymn books to 570. Hymn number 570, Be Still My Soul. Let's all stand together and sing this song. 570. Sing so much better on your feet. Be still, my soul, the Lord is on thy side. Bear patiently the cross of grief or pain. Leave to thy God to order and provide. In every change, he faithful will remain. Be still, my soul, thy best, thy heavenly friend. Through stormy ways, leads to a joyful end. Be still, my soul, thy God doth undertake to guide the future as he has the past. Thy hope, thy confidence, let nothing shake. All the mysterious shall be bright at last. Be still, my soul, the waves, the winds still know. His voice who Be still, my soul, the hour is hastening on, when we shall be forever with the Lord, when disappointment, grief, and fear are gone, somehow Love's purest joys restored. Be still, my soul, when chains and tears are past. All safe and blessed we shall meet at last. Sometimes it pays to be a worship leader because I can't see what he's doing. I'm going to have to preach behind a screen next week. (laughs)
radio only. Right? Let's pray. Lord, Lord, it's a joy to serve you. It's a joy to be part of your family, to share that life with your people. And Lord, we are to weep with those that weep, rejoice with those that rejoice, and most of all, glory in you. Give praise to you for what's been accomplished in individuals' lives. And we pray, Lord, that through this process in our life, it will draw us back to finding our source of wisdom, guidance, and strength in you alone. In Jesus' name, amen.